all day, all day. All day, all day. How long you spark, pop? All day, all day. How much time you spent at the mall? All day, all day. How many runners do you got on call? All day, all day. Swish, swish. How long they keep you in call? All day, all day. Hey guys, welcome back to the Support This House podcast, where you guys come for the real news and I give it right to you. Alright, so we're going to start off by talking about the games from yesterday, including the college football playoff. But I wanted to start with the game before the college football playoff. That was the Peach Bowl, where we saw University of Georgia Bulldogs go up against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, going into this game, there was a lot of talk of whether or not uh, Cincinnati should have been in the playoff over teams like uh, Oklahoma, Florida, and Texas A&M, as far as consideration goes. Uh, me, personally, I believe that, you know, Oklahoma, no, they shouldn't have been in, but they should be more considered than, let's say, Cincinnati because they went out, came back from two losses, one of them being bad, and prove that they were dominant, especially in their big win over Florida. And as far as Cincinnati being over Texas A&M, yes, Texas A&M did get absolutely dominated by Alabama, but they went and won at home against a really good Florida team who went on to beat Georgia and competed really well with Alabama in the SEC championship. So... I understand where people are coming from with the notion that Cincinnati should have been considered for the uh, college football playoff because they did meet a lot of requirements for being in. I mean, they were undefeated uh, and they won their conference. So, you know, a lot of what has been preached by the committee for the college football playoff these past few years for getting in is winning your conference and looking good while doing it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously, they didn't put it in that basic of terms, but that's pretty much what has been put out for how you could get in or why you should get in. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, you know, one of the reasons why Cincinnati didn't get in is because they were no better than Notre Dame. And if that's the case, Notre Dame, any team versus Bama would have been bad. And from there, you would have had to, if you put Cincinnati in, you would have had to put them above a team like Ohio State, just so you could see a team who was actually able to compete with Alabama play Alabama. But then you're leaving Cincinnati in the dust and being like, hey, here, you go play Clemson. You go beat Trevor Lawrence. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, they don't fit anywhere. So, the thing about the playoff is you have to have fit, you know what I'm saying? Actual competitive nature uh, as best as you can. I mean, I'm not saying every game is going to be competitive, but it's going to be somewhat competitive versus who didn't get in. You know what I'm saying? We already saw Texas and play Alabama. We saw the domination there. We already saw Notre Dame play Clemson twice, so you can't move them to three and then move Ohio State to four and pray for a good game between Alabama and Ohio State and then basically see Clemson-Notre Dame part three, like, no. Especially with Trevor back. Like, no one wants to see that bloodbath. So I like what the committee did by having 
Notre Dame played Bama, um, and Ohio State played Clemson. So with that being said, I feel like, you know, of course, Cincinnati came in with a chip on their shoulder against uh, a blue blood uh, in UGA. And needless to say, they played their behinds off. I mean, me being a Georgia fan, I went into that game thinking, okay, yeah, Cincinnati's good. They have a good coach, uh, Luke Fickle. And their defense is known to be good. And they run a pretty good offense where it's pretty steady and consistent. They don't turn the ball over and things like that. But for them to come out and play like they did through the entire game, for the most part, on defense especially, that was a phenomenal showing. If I'm Cincinnati and I'm Luke Fickle, I'm going into next year saying, okay, if they expand the playoff, which they probably will, we have every chance of being in it next year. And we have every chance of competing next year. That's the big thing here. Not only could y'all get in, or not only could we get in, we could compete with a team. Like, let's say they're a five seed playing a two seed, or they play really well and happen to be a four or three seed. Because you never know. Like, if they expand the six teams, the requirements for being in probably are going to be a little bit less, and you don't have to necessarily win your conference. You just have to win important games at that point. And um, let's say Cincinnati's undefeated, win their conference, and they're one of the few undefeated teams left in the country next year. They, like I said, could be a three or four seed and possibly play a lower seed team in win and go on to the next round, which is huge for a team like Cincinnati and the group of five as a whole. So I think even though they lost yesterday, um, I think they proved a point of that, hey, we can compete with the big boys and we're not scared of nobody. Like I watched that game from start to finish and I was more stressed out in that game than I was in any other game this year as a Georgia fan. That speaks to how talented and how well and how well coached they were yesterday. Like, it, it was pretty good. I honestly feel like if Cincinnati went out and had to play a team like Florida, they would beat them. I wouldn't say they'll dominate them, but they'll beat them. And it'll be a shocker to the world. And they can beat a lot of other teams like Iowa State or Indiana or Miami or whoever you want to throw out in the Power Five. That is possibly had been in the uh, top 10 this year, top 15. Um, So kudos to Cincinnati. Thank you, Georgia, for winning your bowl game. Uh, I think this will translate well into next year for us. Um, And speaking of that, so right after the game, I'm scrolling through social media, you know, just looking around, waiting for uh, Alabama and Notre Dame to come on. And I see a post. And the post is saying, you know what team won their New Year's Six Bowl against a group of five team with a first-year transfer quarterback and went on the national champion went on to win the national championship the next year? LSU. You know who that quarterback was? Joe Burrow. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Now I'm not saying we're LSU or that LSU team from two years ago that won. Or last year that won, sorry. Obviously, we're not. They were one of the greatest teams of all time. But 
I think that we showed yesterday that, you know, because there's this big notion that, oh, if you don't make the playoff and you're in the New Year's Six Bowl or whatever bowl this year, especially if you're an SEC team, there's this huge stigma that, oh, no one cares on the team. You know, we weren't uh, motivated, blase this, blase that. And it's just like, I think Georgia went out for the past three some odd years and just said, you know, bump that notion. We're not that. We don't fit that. We're not Florida. <laughs> we're not Florida. We're not going to go for that. We're not Alabama. If we're not in the um, playoff, we're going to play our butts off and we're going to try to win this game because it helps not only with uh, current players. It helps with players coming in. It helps with future players, with recruiting. It helps with just overall morale for the team. Like, and it builds on for next year. Like, imagine you win a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the year, and then you go into next year. You have all the momentum, all of the momentum. And I think that's what Georgia did yesterday. They went out, they competed with a really good Cincinnati football team. And they said, you know, next year, we're coming at you. I know Georgia plays Clemson, I think, in the first game of the season in Charlotte. That's going to be a big big game because obviously Trevor Lawrence is probably not going to be there. They're going to have uh, the backup DJ and and it's going to be a really good game. I don't think uh, Clemson is going to be a pushover next year. They may not be as dominant as they have been in the past few years, but I think it's going to be a really good game and it's going to tell a lot for that year and that season for college football. Okay. So, now on to the playoff games. So, the first one up was Alabama Notre Dame. And, of course, a lot of people going into that game were like, oh, well, Alabama by 100. And on the previous episode of the podcast, one of uh, the guests I had on, Justin, he was like, I think Notre Dame will keep it close. I think that it will keep it closer than a lot of people think because, you know, Alabama just – they just came off of a big win against uh, Florida. And I was like, hmm, interesting. But he, he actually picked Notre Dame to win. That was a little bit too risque for me. But, you know, hey, see, she's on. <laughs> so uh, we saw yesterday that while Notre Dame has made great leaps since their first time playing Alabama in the 2012 BCS National Championship, they just aren't there yet offensively. Like, defensively, at the D-line and – on, except for like probably their safeties and corners. They are physical. They can play with anybody. They can they can do it, especially their linebackers. Those linebackers were flying yesterday. But their offense, outside of their O-line and maybe a running back, they are stuck in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. I mean, you have no explosiveness you have no quarterback who can really be explosive and dynamic. Like, no offense to Ian Book. No offense to him because he played out of his mind this season up into the uh, Clemson game in this game. But he's just not that dynamic. He's not dynamic enough to beat a team like Alabama or Clemson. And it's like, what have we seen in the past with teams like that? when you're an Alabama or Clemson and you're the opposing team playing them, you have to have dynamic players on that offense to compete 
not even win, just to compete. We see, especially at the quarterback position, we saw it with Deshaun Watson. We saw it with um, with Alabama having Tua. We saw it with LSU versus Alabama and Clemson having Joe Burrow. It's like you have to have a dynamic quarterback in order to be able to compete against these teams. And Ian Book simply isn't that. We saw against Clemson in the rematch in the ACC championship. What did Clemson do and uh, Vabral do? Oh, sorry, not Vabral. God, why did I say Vabral? I, what's his name? The D coordinator for Clemson. It'll come to me. But we saw with him, they dialed up blitzes back to back to back to back. And they were coming after him, forcing him out of the pocket, which he was known for going into that game. All season, he was known for running out of the pocket and playing uh, ad-lib football or backyard football, as some people like to call it. And he was pretty good with doing it. But the difference is, those teams that he was doing it against earlier in the season, like North Carolina, Boston College, they don't got the linebackers in the corners to cover your players. So your guys are going to get open. And then you're going to have spots to throw into. Against Bama and Clemson, that's not happening. And we saw that. And especially yesterday, they were flying at him. Like, he had nowhere to go. He was, instead of him scrambling out and maybe getting five to eight yards a scramble, he was getting two to three if he was lucky. If he was lucky. And that's not dynamic enough to even compete with Bama, and we saw that. Uh, And the funny thing is, Bama could have won by four or five touchdowns, but they let the gas off once Najee leaped over the Notre Dame defender. How many of y'all noticed that? After Najee Harris leaped over the Notre Dame uh, player in that amazing athletic effort, Alabama just let the gas off on offense. They they stopped trying, really. They weren't doing anything that they had done against any other team all year. Like, and that speaks to the talent that Alabama has, but that also speaks to the gap in talent between Notre Dame and uh, Alabama. And honestly, Notre Dame and everyone else in the top four, top five even, like, it's just, it's alarming how much of a, uh, talent gap there is between them still. So if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm, I'm going out and I'm recruiting aggressively for a dynamic quarterback. And not just a, a dual threat. When I when I say dynamic, I mean a guy who can go out there and be just dynamic in like a multitude of ways. He's got an arm. He's got accuracy. He's a guy who can scramble when he needs to. He can like ad-lib in the pocket. He's like, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't just have to be a dual threat. That's the thing. When guys say dynamic, most of the time people think dual threat, dual threat. Like, no, that's not going to even be Alabama or Clemson. You need a guy who's dynamic, who can make plays, who can ad-lib, who can be accurate while doing it. It's it's a lot that goes into that, and it's going to take a while for them to find that quarterback, honestly. But, yeah. Then we move on to Clemson and Ohio State. And me personally, I had Clemson pegged to lose that game very close, about like three points. And what I saw yesterday was what I've been wanting to see from Justin Fields for the entire year. And that is pure domination. 
I'm talking, he 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 played out of his mind the entire game. The entire game. And that's something that we hadn't seen from Justin Fields since last year. Like, this entire year, for the most part, it seemed like he's been off, especially in comparison to last year. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Or maybe he's taking it easy because, you know, or maybe the lack of games is getting to him. Something's off, right? And we even saw it in the Northwestern game. Like, he looked rough, like really rough. But then he comes out last night and just dominates Clemson and makes them look like like nothing. Like, I saw someone say that uh, Clemson out here looking like Tennessee, and I laugh because that's hilarious. That is funny, and that's true. Tennessee or Clemson really looked off last night in all facets of the game, defensively in all three levels, outside of probably Breesy, the D lineman. Um, offensively, their O line couldn't hold a cup of water to Ohio State's D line. Uh, they couldn't get a, a consistent running game. Trevor looked off, which was weird, to say the least. Their wide receivers weren't doing enough, I felt like. It was just a bloodbath, and it, the score shows it, 49-21. That's insane. I had, like I said, Clemson coming in, keeping it close, and only losing my three. And I said, Justin Fields, in order for Ohio State to win, Justin Fields needs to play well. Good, not out of his mind, just well. We see when he plays out of his mind, though. Hey, Ohio State's a team to be reckoned with. Now, one thing I don't like, and I'm going to speak on this now. One thing I don't like is the fact that it took this much, this much for Ohio State to play up to their potential. What I mean by that is, right after the Big Ten Championship, a uh, leak was posted of a player who was on live, IG Live, where Ryan Day was talking about how Ohio State was going to come into the playoff and basically whoop everybody's behind, but, you know, cursing. And how no one could hold a cup of water to Ohio State. Once they get there, they're going to prove that they deserve to be there. Bama can't touch them. Clemson can't touch them. Oh, blase this, blase that. You know what I'm saying? Real raunchy, real... You know, good on you, Ryan Day. Get your players motivated. But what I don't like is, where was this earlier? Where was this against Indiana? Where was this against Northwestern? Literally, that game. Like, were y'all just taking a break? Were y'all just like, bump it, we'll wait till we get in the playoff because we know we're going to get there? Like, dude, y'all almost lost against Indiana. Indiana, like, no offense to them, but the talent gap between y'all and them is exponential so I don't understand where why rather it took that much motivation for y'all to just play up to y'all potential because y'all have it we saw it last night y'all got it y'all are arguably the most talented team in the nation not named Alabama or Georgia if I'm being honest at every position and y'all proved it last night but it took that much for y'all to do it Come on, guys, like, get get better with that. 
if y'all look at look at Alabama, look at Clemson in the past. They didn't need that much. Well, I'm gonna speak on Alabama because I just remember Dabo Sweeney. Anyway, <laughs> look at Alabama. They don't need that much motivation to go out and just play football and dominate and just do what they got to do, do their job. Don't take that much. That's one of the great things about Alabama. You never get any real leaks from them about what Saban has said or anything or players doing this and that. You never hear about um, how they feel about another team, an opposing coach or anything of that nature. They just go out and they play. So what I need Ohio State to do is go out against Alabama and play. That's it. Um, With that being said, national championship, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. I think a lot of people are riding Alabama to the end of time. (laughs) And... I don't I don't see them I don't see Alabama dominating Ohio State, but I do have Alabama winning. By at least ten. Because you gotta think. They beat up on UGA earlier in the season. At home, granted, but it's COVID time, so that doesn't really matter. They beat up on UGA, who at the time had arguably the best defense in the nation, and they made them look lackluster. They beat up on Texana, who doesn't have a slouch defense themselves, who held Florida's offense in check. They beat up on Florida, who, granted, their defense isn't that great, but their offense is otherworldly, arguably better than Florida or Bama's, considering they don't have, like, three, three or four five-star receivers. They were able to do all that against these three opponents, not including anyone else. And then, and, then, and then they beat up Notre Dame, too. With that being said, they just have a better resume going into this game. They have been more dominant. They have shown me more to believe, lead me to believe that they are going to not put the work on Ohio State, but they gonna they gonna make them feel them. You know what I'm saying? They get Jalen Waddle back. They are pretty much healthy at every position outside of that one old lineman that got hurt in the SEC championship. I don't see them. Only way they'll lose is they is if they make mental mistakes like turnovers or a lot of penalties and things like that. Even if uh, Ohio State plays out of their mind and Justin Fields plays out of his mind again, I don't see them winning. It's just not It's not there. I know this feels like a lot like a couple years ago when everyone had Bama beating Ohio State and Ohio State went on to win the national championship. Yeah, I know. But this ain't that. This ain't Bama who got 3,000 running backs and no quarterback to throw to his receivers and blah, blah, blah. No. This is Mac Jones. This is Devontae Smith. This is Michi III. This is Jalen Waddle. It's the slew of tight ends that they have. And this is Nick Saban at the end of the day. He's been here. He's done that. So, with that being said, I got, I got Alabama winning by at least 10. Uh, I think it'll be close early, maybe even late. But Bama, Bama's just going to pull away, man. They got too much. And Ohio State needs to be motivated, obviously. 
to uh to play up to their potential and I don't think Bama is gonna say anything to get them motivated as much as Ryan Day wants them to so he can supercharge his team I don't think Nick Saban's players are gonna give them anything so yeah Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, for the past two weeks, because it has been irking me, irking me, how people have been treating Tua. So, as many of you know, for the past few weeks, Tua has been benched in favor of Fitzmagic because he hasn't played that well. He's been playing a little bit lackluster. And because of that, uh, people are looking at other options as far as this draft coming up. Uh, The Dolphins have the third pick in this upcoming draft, and people are like, oh, I'm the Dolphins. I pick a quarterback here because, you know, Brian, Brian Flores and, you know, our defense and blase this and blase that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I get it. Brian Flores is a good coach. Y'all defense, pretty good. Arguably the best in the league. But you mean to tell me that you pick another quarterback after picking one following, or the earlier draft just because you can what happened to developing quarterbacks? When did that not become when did that stop becoming a thing to do? Because to me it seems like every year, every year, doesn't matter the team, if a team has a top five, top ten pick in the NFL draft, it's like, oh, draft a quarterback. It's it's there, draft a quarterback. And I'm like, why? Like, what what happened to developing a guy, honestly? So you mean to tell me you draft a quarterback with the third pick if you're the Dolphins, and that guy is going to be better than what you already have in Tua? Here's some reasons why that probably wouldn't work, in my opinion, even though, you know, I'm not a GM or a solidified media guy. Number one, the guy who you're drafting isn't going to have experience like Tua does right now. Even with Tua being pulled out constantly in and out of games, he's just not going to have the experience. Nor probably is he going to have the playoff experience because, let's face it, the Dolphins are in the cusp of the playoffs, and if they win this week, they're going to be in. So this whole notion of bringing in a guy who won't have the experience and you thinking that's going to be better? Okay media uh two why won't you just let Tua work through his bumps y'all do realize the guy didn't have OTAs or preseason this year like I see so many people using that excuse for veteran quarterbacks and using it as a, a upper for other rookie quarterbacks like Justin Herbert but when it comes to Tua it's like oh that doesn't exist he should be he should be performing at this level because the Dolphins can pick another quarterback or the Dolphins need him to be. Like, I get they need him to perform better because Tua hasn't been that great. He he needs to be better. But, dude, dude, just because you got 
thousands of dollars in the bank doesn't mean that you need thousands of dollars more versus the guy who, you know, is broke over here. You should give that thousands that you were going to make to the guy who doesn't have it. Like, oh, I don't know. The Vikings, you know, uh, the 49ers. Like, what I mean by that is if I'm the Dolphins, I trade that pick. Trade down in the draft. Like, go get something that you actually need. Like, perhaps a running back or more weapons for Tua to throw to. Or go get maybe another defensive guy. Even though you're pretty solidified on defense, it doesn't hurt to have another defensive guy. Am I wrong? Like, it's just, it's weird that we're having this conversation about Tua. Really, just young quarterbacks in general. I've seen, like I said, this trend of bump developing. Let's go get new. Ooh, new shiny toy. Let's go get it. Like, the only time that has worked these past few years is when Arizona did it. And that's only because they got a new regime in the front office and a new head coach. So they got a guy who would fit the head coach's system. Kyler Murray, and that's working. Are the Dolphins getting a new head coach? No, probably not. I think Brian Flores' job is secure. Are the Dolphins getting a new regime as far as front office? No, they pretty much built a well-built team and hired a pretty good coach. So what are you switching up for? Because the guy is a rookie? Because he's having bumps in the road? Oh, please. Let it let it be. Let him develop. Let him have these bumps now. So in the future, he'll be what you wanted him to be when you drafted him. An elite quarterback. That's what development is, ladies and gentlemen, in the NFL. You don't just keep moving off of guys. Like, it's different for, like, a guy like, let's say, Carson Wentz, who I haven't been high on for the longest like, okay, he comes into this year after getting paid and is underperforming like hell. And the Eagles, smartly enough, move off of him. I mean, I don't know if they're going to permanently do it, but it seems like they are with Jalen Hurts, which is smart. That's a smart pick. That That's a good pick that they had last year. That's a smart move by the Eagles front office and coaching staff. Move off of Carson Wentz. Because the guy's had four or five years under his belt. He can't stay healthy. Uh, it's been reported that he's pretty cocky and doesn't take to uh, coaching pretty well and all of these different things. And, and also been reported that he's jealous that Nick Foles was the guy who won him the Super Bowl and that he doesn't feel appreciated by the team. And it's like, well, I mean, dude, <laughs> what do you want us to do? Like, Nick Foles was there. He's one of the greatest backup quarterbacks of all time. Like, of course we're going to – of course Philly fans are going to love him probably more than they love you. Get over it. Play ball. But you can't. So that's why you're probably not going to be there next year. And that's fine. You're not a bad quarterback. You're going to go somewhere. You're going to land on your feet. And you're going to be a starter again. Don't know how good you'll be. But you're going to be a starter again. Just not for Philadelphia. It's just not going to work there anymore. 
You know, and that's what I mean. You give a guy four or five years, four or five seasons in the NFL, that's a good benchmark to whether or not you want to move off of him or not. And you do it in the second round. Makes sense. You don't do it in the first three picks because that's really telling your starter, bro, we don't believe in you. We we just don't. We don't mess with you no more, man. You got to get on. Like, the Packers, for instance, they just drafted a quarterback in the first 10 picks in the past draft. And look at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's older. It's smart for them to go ahead and try to move off of him. You know what I'm saying? He's going to retire within probably the next two or three years. Get that quarterback now if you feel like he's the guy to replace Aaron. But we're talking about a young guy here who's in his first year, ladies and gentlemen. And they're already talking about moving off of him because they can. Just because they can. That's that's the most gluttonous thing I have heard in a while, especially regarding the NFL. It it hurts. It does. I feel for Tua. But I don't think this will affect him to the point where he'll be just so devastated mentally because he's a pretty strong mental guy. He, he dealt with injuries in college, multiple injuries at that. Came back every time, played pretty well. Like, dude has been there, done that. He'll be fine. But it, it, this whole notion needs to stop, man. It's it's bad for business. Like, it's so it's only so much innovation that can go, you know? I'm all for innovation. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to a restaurant and I don't know it, I'm going to judge it off of this. Do they have a good burger? And if that restaurant doesn't have a good burger, well, I don't know what to tell you. They could be the most innovative restaurant in the world. But if they don't got a good burger, how good is that restaurant? Because how bad, how, how hard is it to mess up a burger? Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Thank you all for tuning in for uh, today's episode. Uh, really appreciate everyone who has tuned in for the past few episodes uh, and will continue to tune in. Thank you. And, uh, of course, I'll see you guys next week. And I'll talk about uh, my AFC predictions and my NFC predictions for the playoffs as far as who's going to win. And, uh probably pick my Super Bowl picks. All right. God bless everyone.